It's Aspen Ideas to Go from the Aspen Institute. I'm Trisha Johnson. Today, we have the last in our series of special episodes. Produced by our partners at Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio, we've explored robots as caregivers and rebuilding trust after a pandemic that puts science under scrutiny. If you missed either of those talks, be sure to check out the recent bonus episodes in our feed. You'll notice these episodes are a big departure from our usual format. For starters, they're much shorter than the traditional full-length talks we feature every week. There's also scene setting and music woven throughout. We want to hear what you think, so we've set up a survey. After you listen today, please take a couple minutes to give us your feedback. How we make decisions and why is at the heart of today's discussion by Zoe Chance, featured at last summer's Aspen Ideas Festival. Kibway Cooper from Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio guides us through her insights. Once upon a time, on an auspicious day in history, you were born. You had no sharp teeth or claws or any means of protecting or even feeding yourself. The only means of survival that you had was your ability to influence other people to take care of you. That's Zoe Chance. She's a behavioral scientist at Yale School of Management and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Influence is Your Superpower. Zoe believes that everyone has the power of an influencer and that power is naturally inside of all of us. As you grew, you expanded your sphere of influence and you practiced. Before you got to kindergarten, you were negotiating bedtimes and television desserts, all the things that you cared about. You grew and you expanded your sphere of influence further to groups and teams. You grew up and expanded your influence further still, perhaps to organizations. But these days, Influence is about more than just influencing the people in your immediate sphere. Social media has given billions of viewers on platforms like TikTok and Instagram inside access to the lives of celebrities and social elites. Their likes and dislikes, hearts, gifts, and emojis influence what we think of ourselves and the world around us. High-impact users or influencers can charge tens of thousands of dollars per sponsored post, according to Forbes. We find the average person has over 10,000 social media post tags or likes associated with them. And, you know, that's a lot. 60% of in-store purchase decisions are influenced by something that someone has seen on a social media post or a blog post. But Zoe Chance says all of us have the ability to harness the power of influence. You just have to learn how. Chance spoke at the Aspen Ideas Festival back in June. Earlier in her career, Zoe managed a $200 million segment of the Barbie brand. Now, Barbie dolls have been a successful product for decades, so Zoe struggled at times to convince the senior leadership at Barbie to implement new ideas. That's when Zoe became obsessed with understanding influence. She says learning to influence others isn't difficult or rocket science, but it is a science. Zoe says if we understand the way human beings make decisions, we can better influence the decisions they make. And there's two ways we make decisions. The first involves thinking like an alligator. 
people's minds work very much like alligators. A place in Orlando, Florida called Gatorland. Has anybody been there? Okay, a few of us. This is the gator capital of the world, a little bit less famous than its neighbor, Disney World. When you go to Gatorland, they have thousands of gators. You can zip line over a gator-infested swamp where they filmed Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You can watch gator wrestling, or you can feed the gators. And I was excited. They give you a piece of meat, number of pieces of meat, and you're throwing them into a pile of gators where I thought they're gonna be fighting each other like prehistoric beasts, clash of the titans, but I don't have perfect aim. And what I found is that if you land a piece of meat outside the bite zone, which is between the nose and the tail of a specific alligator, you land it even an inch outside that bite zone and what happens is nothing. Nobody moves. They wait until a bird comes down <laughs> to pick it up. If you land it in the bite zone, that gator will snap it up so quickly you can hardly see it move. Like human beings, alligators are designed for maximum cognitive efficiency. Alligators have a brain the size of a walnut, a body that can weigh up to half a ton, although they are constantly scanning the environment, and this is like your subconscious mind lurking below the surface of your conscious awareness, they're scanning for threats and opportunities, but the dominant response is nothing, and they ignore it. They ignore almost everything around them. But when they take action, something sufficiently easy, they do so very, very rapidly. So alligator thinking informs our fast decisions. But what about those times where we decide more slowly and carefully? Zoe says that the second kind of decision making is more like a human judge. This is the conscious part, slow, rational, deliberative, effortful, considers only one case at a time, carefully weighing pros and cons. It's cognitively difficult, so it takes mental resources to put our conscious attention on something. So we can only do one thing at a time. The gator part, though, takes almost no effort at all. Zoe says there's no way to manipulate how your brain makes a decision, even if you consider yourself a careful decision maker. Many smart people, like those of us in the room, are thinking, well, maybe lots of people are gator kind of people, but I'm kind of a numbers person, I'm sort of analytical, or the people that I'm trying to influence or I work with are numbers analytical people, they're more judge people. So let's take a look at judges actual judges. In a study of 1,100 parole decisions, researchers, and this was taking place in Israel, I don't think the culture is relevant, but how it works in Israel is there's a panel of three judges and they make a collective decision and all day they're making decisions, hearing cases, and all the researchers were looking at in this study was the time of day and what was the likelihood a prisoner would get out on parole. At the beginning of the day, it's about a two-thirds chance they go home, and then that number declines, declines. There's a spike, decline, decline again, spike, and then another decline. And let's just hear, <laughs> if you have a theory about the spikes, call it out now. 
what I'm hearing here in the room is food, lunch breaks. Yes, that's all. That's all. These are judges, people. It's their job to be slow, rational, deliberative, effortful, to make decisions as objectively as they can. But like all of the rest of us, they are tremendously influenced by the gator. Researchers who study this stuff estimate that it might be 95% of all of our decisions and behavior are determined by the gator. It turns out that many of the decisions we think of as being rational are actually rationalizing with the input of the gator. So if you know people make some decisions with their judge brain, but most decisions with their gator brain, Zoe believes we can better understand how to influence others. Zoe says there are two strategies to keep in mind when you're trying to influence other people's gator brains, ease and framing. Here's how ease impacts influence. Organizations that have disrupted not just their competition, but their entire industry, almost all of them have done this by innovating on the dimension of ease. To take a prime example, think about Amazon. And think about ways that Amazon has made it so freaking easy for us to buy stuff from them that at least for me, it's harder not to buy stuff from Amazon than it is to buy stuff from them. Almost all of us are lazy almost all of the time because we're always already occupied. Our conscious brain is always already occupied. If ease alone doesn't influence someone, Zoe says how you frame the idea can also be influential. Framing is all about how you're communicating information. Zoe gave a pertinent example of how scientists frame the conversation around climate issues. When you think about climate change versus climate crisis, climate change, like, yeah, it seems like it's happening, seems valid. Is it a problem? I don't know, is it a big problem? Probably not. Climate crisis, this is a big problem and we still can take action to fix it, but only if we do so immediately. Neuro research and other surveys have found that in the US, both Republicans and Democrats responded to the frame climate crisis more than any other frame. If that sounds easy, Zoe says figuring out how to frame something can actually be tricky. Zoe recommends three types of framing that are especially effective in influencing other people. And the three most powerful frames that I know are framing something as monumental, framing something as manageable, or framing something as mysterious. These are the most flexible and powerful frames um, that I think that you can practice with and teach other people. Chance has written about how the title of a book by home organizing expert Marie Kondo captures all three of these influential frames. Kondo's book is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. The phrase life-changing feels monumental. The word magical frames things in a mysterious way, and the phrase tidying up makes it all sound manageable. Readers embraced those ideas so much that the book sold millions of copies around the world. 
With strategies like these, Zoe believes we can all be influential. She says it's important to learn how to influence others because it's a huge part of how others will remember us when we're gone. So influence is not rocket science, but it is a science. And it starts with this very, very simple concept that we are not, almost any of us, asking for as much or from as many people or as often as we could be or should be to be as influential as we might be. And many of us don't even realize that until we start to practice it. Zoe Chance spoke at the Aspen Ideas Festival in June. To hear the full presentation, visit aspenideas.org. That was Kibway Cooper with Colorado Public Radio. You can find more ideas worth hearing in the Colorado Matters podcast from CPR. We'd love to know what you think about this episode. Please take a minute to fill out the quick survey linked in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe to Aspen Ideas to go wherever you're listening. Follow Aspen Ideas year-round on social media at Aspen Ideas. Today's show was programmed by the Aspen Ideas Festival team and produced by the Colorado Public Radio Audio Innovation Studio with help from Natalie Jones. A special thank you to Brad Turner for his vision and guidance in creating this special series. Our theme music is by Wonderly. I'm Trisha Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.